Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. What do you think is one of the worst jobs? I always thought one of the worst jobs would be being a tow truck driver. Not because it's a bad job necessarily, but because no one is ever happy to see you. You know, they're always running late and then their car won't start or they just got in an accident. It's never a good situation. And I always thought, you know, tow truck drivers probably get a lot of disgruntled people projecting their emotions and anxieties onto them. But then I met Joe. Joe was a tow truck driver who came and picked me up when my car unexpectedly got a flat tire on a freeway on-ramp many years ago. I had no spare. I was in an unfamiliar area right around the time when a lot of shops were closing to repair the tire, and I had somewhere to be. So I was in a hurry and frantically trying to find someone to cover for me to figure out what I was going to do. And Joe shows up in his tow truck with this big smile on his face like it was the greatest day he had ever had. And I remember being immediately struck by his mood and just the situation and recognizing how unusual it would be to encounter, in my mind, a happy tow truck driver because they deal with a lot of people like in my situation that day, all day, five days a week, maybe even more. And so I was inspired to talk to him. We talked on the ride to the nearest tire repair shop and he told me that he'd been doing this job for 25 years and he loved it. He talked about being, to, being able to meet all different kinds of people to make a difference in their lives uh, by being a sign of relief when things took an unexpected turn. He inspired me. I never saw him again, but I pray for him often and thanksgiving for the impression that he made on me. You see, because we live in a world that is so self-focused. We have iPhones, iPads, iCloud, and they drive us deeper and deeper into a world that's about achievement and competition, and a world that also trains us to be obsessed with what other people think. 
And so selfishness and thinking of myself becomes a survival mechanism. And instead of genuinely connecting with people, we then tend to use each other for personal gain. I think about the world, that world, and then I think about Joe, the tow truck driver, completely living a different life than most people that I meet. He was completely satisfied and fulfilled in his job, a job that no one honestly usually aspires to have, but he was completely content with who he was. He was excited at the opportunity he had on a daily basis to serve others, to brighten their day, especially considering their day was already likely not going well. And it reminds me of something radically countercultural that Jesus did in the Gospels. The very last night Jesus is with the disciples at the Last Supper, knowing that he is about to die, and knowing that it's going to be an excruciating death, and knowing that virtually everyone with him right then would abandon, deny, or betray him over the next 24 hours, he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. It says, Jesus rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not my feet, not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Washing someone's feet was an act of hospitality at the time of Jesus, but it was often something considered a rather humiliating task or a very subservient task that even Jewish servants did not do. In fact, it was usually only reserved for Gentile servants. And yet Jesus assumes the lowest position he possibly can, both physically by getting down on his hands and knees and assuming a posture of a servant, a lowly servant, so that he can serve the disciples the people that he knew would abandon, betray, and deny him. And then when he is finished, he tells them this, You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. This is what we're called to do to serve others without concern for what we get in return or how we appear to others, to turn away from pride and instead choose humility. You know, the word humility actually comes from a root word, uh, humus, that means ground or earth. Um, Jesus literally humbled himself. He got down on the ground to serve. And we are called to do the same. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to serve like Jesus, to wash the feet of others in our actions, in our words, in the way that we are. But how do we do that? How do we serve like Jesus, right? We are not traveling rabbis, you know, going around without any obligation other than to live this life. We have jobs and classes to go to and families and responsibilities. And that's it. The key to serving like Jesus is to start in those places. Where has God placed you? Think about your own family, your own school, your workplace, 
your relationships, like God chose for you to live at this time in salvation history in the exact relationships that you're in. And so you have a purpose in those places. You can bring something unique with the gifts God has given you to serve those people. In your family, in your school, in your job, in your friendships, in your community. So I like to use this phrase when we're in those places that we go day in and day out, that we live in, that we do life in. If you see a need, fill a need. That's really the mission of a Catholic servant, of a disciple, is, you know, to preach the gospel, obviously. But when it comes to serving one another, on top of that, if you see a need, fill a need. Especially if you know that you're capable of filling it. Part of that just means showing up, being present, and being faithful to our responsibilities. Doing our chores or our household responsibilities for our family. Um, showing up on time for the people that we have appointments with. Doing our job at work and not delegating it to other people or taking credit for their work or stepping on others to get ahead. But really making sure that everyone that we come in contact with is known and loved and not taken advantage of. And that we have an opportunity to serve them. Even if it's someone who is maybe below us at work, it doesn't mean that we do their work for them. It means we serve them by finding out what is it that you really need today? Do you need a kind word? Do you need um, some encouragement? Do you need some mentoring or some help? Whatever that may be, whatever your responsibilities are, whatever the, the regular everyday routine things in your life, that is where you can begin to serve. And part of that is in your parish, in your church. This is uh, typically called stewardship, being a good steward of the things that God has given you. God has given you time, he's given you talents, and he's given you treasure. He's given you finances or money or some kind of ability to give back. And our parish, it's our home for our prayer and spiritual life. So just like we have responsibilities in our home to make it run well, we have responsibilities in our spiritual home for all of our brothers and sisters at the parish. And so see a need, fill a need might be serving in a ministry or serving at the mass. Maybe the mass that you go to needs more altar servers or lectors or Eucharistic ministers or ushers or hospitality ministers or any of the number of different ministries that are uh, being invented because of COVID are sight and sound ministries um, for online streaming and things like that. Whatever that may be, whatever your parish needs are, see a need and fill a need. Because most people will sit in the pew and they'll just complain that it's not being done correctly. But the real action of a Catholic disciple is to get up and see, hey, can I help? Is there anything that I can do? This goes back to the church in Acts of the Apostles. You know, in Acts of the Apostles, where the church was of one mind and everyone came and gave their possessions and laid them at the feet of the apostles and they dispersed them to each according to their need. That is what stewardship is. It is giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure back to God, back to the parish. Those are the ways that we can serve locally. In the places God has placed us, in our families, communities, workplaces, schools, our friendships and relationships, in our parish, and the other things that we're involved in. How can you be someone who is not looking to seek for achievement and attention for yourself, but to serve the needs of those who are around you, to give of your time, to give of your gifts and your talents, and to give of your financial ability to support those institutions. But beyond locally, we can also serve in the wor world. 
to have a sense of solidarity with the world. Remember, that's one of those seven components of Catholic social teaching. Go back to episode 26, and there's tons of ideas there about how you can help on a, on a wider scale. And I believe I share in that episode, um, you know, some troubling statistics that, you know, the United States being 5% of the world's population consumes 24% of the world's energy and resources. And that every day in the United States, we waste or throw away over three times the amount of food needed to cure world hunger that day. You know, every day, I think the need to feed the hungry would cost about $20 million. And we throw away about $60 million of food in the United States every day. In fact, the amount of um, money to basically cure world hunger, make sure everyone had basic medical needs, um, you know, water, um, shelter, all of that. Um, I believe uh, the United Nations or some organization once calculated that to be about $20 billion. And that is how much that we spend in the United States in one year on ice cream. Only 8% of people in the world have a car. I think we forget how blessed financially and culturally and living in this country that we are. And sometimes it can be like, well, you know, who do I serve? Why do, why do they deserve help? Like, I've worked hard to get these things. Like, why should I have to give these things away? I think we just don't understand how blessed we are. You know, think about children. There are 2.2 billion children in the world, roughly. One billion of them live in poverty. They live on less than $1 a day. One in two of those children have no access to regular food. One in three, no access to shelter. One in five have no access to clean water. 22,000 children die every day of hunger. And Pope Francis recently wrote an encyclical called Fratelli Tutti, and it's um, that we are all brothers and sisters. And it's all about serving the poor, having solidarity, recognizing the disparity of wealth in our world and our country, and our responsibility as disciples, and whatever our share of that is, to share our abundance. We have to be cautious, and Pope Francis actually criticizes this in his encyclical. We have to be cautious of the role that media and technology can play. We have to recognize that it's all usually a little bit biased, and also the entire world is not on it. So it can be a means to raise awareness, to serve and connect, but can also be a trap for things like doublespeak and populism and virtue signaling and saying, well, I shared that post, so I'm serving, I'm giving back. This is why it's so important to actually go and be the hands of the feet, hands and feet of the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to go out into our community, to go out and be activists, to advocate for those who are in need, to serve them, to actually go and do the work. This is why we're called to be actively engaged in the political and social sphere, but we need to do that with a well-informed conscience. We don't set aside our Catholicism when we go to the voting booth. No, we recognize that the fullness of truth has been given to us. And we want our society, our world, to look more and more like the kingdom of heaven. That's what we need to do locally and globally. And in all we do to serve, to take Jesus's model for leadership, the washing of the feet. Now, there are a couple different uh, lists that the church has of different works of mercy. You may have heard these before. They're called the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Different acts that we are called to do as Christians. And we get these um, from a particular passage in Matthew 25. And this is coming from the, the words of Jesus here. So it's a little longer, so follow along here. 
When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill, and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for these least ones of mine, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Man, these words, to do these works of mercy, these are straight from the mouth of Jesus. He tells us what we will be judged for. So we can't get into heaven without belief in Jesus. Like that, we need, Jesus is the key to salvation. And we can't earn our way to heaven. That's a free gift to us. Our salvation is just something that we receive and accept from the works that Jesus did for us on the cross and that he rose from the dead. However, we believe in, as Catholics in faith and works, and we will be judged according to our works. Our works don't earn us a way into heaven, but they will be held up to judgment. And Jesus tells us what they are here. This is like a teacher telling you that you have a huge test at the end of a semester. No other homework, no other tests, no other assignments, and it will determine your entire grade if you pass the class or not, the course of your entire future. It's the last class you need to graduate, the last class you need to get your job. It's a one chance. You can only take it once. Like, this is it. This is the only test that matters. And then the teacher just gives you the answers. That's basically essentially what Jesus does here. He tells us exactly what we what we will be judged for or against. Except this is not a semester at stake. It is eternity. This is what we are called to do. So what Jesus lists here, they're called the corporal works of mercy. And they're called that because corporal means associated with the body. It has the same root word as the word corpse. Um, the church has arranged them into seven acts that we as disciples are called to do. And you heard them in the passage. Feed the hungry give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. Now, how do we do those things? Well, it's easy, maybe, the feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, uh, donating clothes and things like that, but also supporting organizations and going serving at local organizations that do some of these other things, like sheltering the homeless, uh, writing letters to those who are ill or in prison, going and visiting those who are sick if it is safe to do so. Those are all ways that we can exercise these corporal works of mercy.
But there are also seven spiritual works of mercy that have to do with serving the hearts and souls of those around us. And those are admonish the sinner, instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, and pray for the living and the dead. So what do those mean? To admonish the sinner means to correct. So if someone is that we know is going off a dark path or making wrong decisions, we do our best to lovingly correct them. Instruct the ignorant is not meant to sound condescending. People use the word ignorant in that tone, but ignorant just means people who don't know. So basically tell people the truth about Jesus and about the faith. Counsel the doubtful, that's obvious. Bear wrongs patiently, meaning we don't hold grudges. Um, we're patient and we also forgive those offenses that are done to us willingly. And then we comfort those who are afflicted and we pray for those who are alive and who are dead. This is our mission. This is the job description of a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be a disciple means to do what Jesus did. And Jesus went out and did these things. He went to the lost, the lonely, the broken, the hurting, the marginalized, the oppressed, and the forgotten. Jesus did not live a comfortable or an easy life, but it was a good and fulfilling one with true purpose. Nothing worth doing is ever easy or without sacrifice. Marriage, any vocation, raising a family, getting a degree, chasing a dream job, building a business or a brand, creating art or music, it all takes time, effort, work, and sacrifice. Being a disciple is no different, except that it has eternal consequences. We cannot take any of that other stuff with us. Jesus won't ask for your resume at the gates of heaven. He will ask, how did you love and serve those I placed in your life? So if Jesus were to call you home right now in this moment, how would you answer that question? What would you say? The test is coming, but you already have the answers. So go study, go get to work, go make a difference. 